Batman.net presents the Batman Universe Podcast, your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 54. I'm your host Dustin and today we have with us... It's Apple. This is Nick. And we are bringing you the latest movie, TV, merchandise, video game, and general news from the past two weeks. As well as a spotlight character which we will be covering Blockbuster, all three versions of the character. And our feature we will be discussing Batman Beyond in preparation for those of you who do read comics and may not be familiar with Batman Beyond... I'm sure there's not very many of you out there, but there might be. And we'll talk about Batman Beyond, our feelings about it, and what we can kind of expect from this new comic series that's going to be coming out later this month. We do have a decent amount of news to go over, even though it's only been two weeks. So let's get right into it. Every punk in this town is scared stiff. They say he can't be killed. They say he drinks blood. Is there a six-foot back in Gotham City? So let's get into movie news, and the first thing we have is on May 24th, Warner Brothers sent over an announcement saying that the website for Batman Under the Red Hood is now live. The trailer can be viewed, as well as a total of 11 images can be viewed as well. Um, They provided some new images, which we posted up on the site, and you can see those on the website under the news story called BURH site is live. Yeah, you know, I like this uh I like this Batman animation. I don't know about the what what's the, the gentleman's name that's doing the voice for Batman? Uh Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood. I, I still don't know how I feel about his voice, but I, I really like the animation on this Batman. Yeah, I think these images are very encouraging. I think um, the the film looks like it's going to be very um, very interesting. And just by these images, it makes me feel a lot better about it. And uh, I'll be checking out their website, definitely. The one thing I have to say is uh, we haven't really heard a whole lot of Bruce Greenwood's voice. The trailer, a lot of people think it's him, but it's not. The trailer's a weird voiceover that's making it seem like it's the inside of Batman's head. But it's not actually Bruce Greenwood saying those lines. I find weird that they would have a trailer with Batman thinking something and not be the person who's going to be doing the voice, but that's not Bruce Greenwood. to the next thing. On May 26th, Warner Brothers sent over an interview with John DiMaggio, and John DiMaggio, which some of you may know as the voice behind Aquaman for Batman the Brave and the Bold, is actually voicing the Joker in Batman Under the Red Hood. So there was a decent interview that was sent over from Warner Brothers. We're only going to cover a couple of these questions, and you can read the rest on the website. Alright, so Apple will read the questions, and Nick will read for John DiMaggio. What were your initial thoughts about assuming the iconic role? I was shocked when I got the role, shocked when I came in to record, and shocked when I saw the finished product during ADR. I just wanted to honour the real, true lunacy of the character. I didn't want to make him campy, but I wanted to pay a little bit of tribute to the past Jokers, and yet keep it original at the same time. That's walking a fine line, if there ever was one. It was a little intimidating, because it's such an iconic role. It's an honour to get this job, 
and especially to play the Joker in this version because it's so dark and twisted, I felt like I got a really wonderful opportunity. Can you remember your early connections with the Batman mythology and how any of the previous Joker actors might have influenced your performance in this role? I think the thing that influenced me the most when I was young is the television show, which is really sad because there have been so many great comics and graphic novels and stories about the Dark Knight that I haven't been able to delve into yet, and yet I know about them. I actually would have loved to see Cesar Romero take the role to its darkness. There was a bit of Cesar Romero in what I did, but it's Cesar Romero if he was in A Clockwork Orange. I guess my naivety in my approach kind of kept it clean. I wasn't trying to do a Jack Nicholson or a Heath Ledger. I respect all the folks that have come before me and their take on the character. Mark Hamill is awesome. Heath Ledger was unbelievable. And Jack Nicholson, what can you say? But I wanted to do my own thing. Was there any particular direction you wanted to take this Joker? I wanted to cover what I saw on the paper, and I wanted to ensure Andrea Romano got exactly what she wanted. Usually if the script is good enough, you know where your emotions should be, where your character lies. It should all be in the dialogue, and it certainly was. How do you interpret the Joker's mindset? I think the Joker thinks of himself quite literally as a necessary evil. And when I say that, I mean he really feels there is a place for him, and that he somehow balances the chaos with the non-chaos. It's a yin and yang thing, and it's really not personal, it's business. Although he can get personal, and he enjoys it, that makes it that much more twisted. So needless to say, it sounds like DiMaggio is looking forward to voicing Joker, which at this point he already has, but he was looking forward to it, he enjoyed doing it, and it wasn't something like just another one of his normal jobs that he's, he's done in the past. You know, I'm going to share a, a Comic-Con story. When me and Dust were, uh, when we were doing the interviews for Batman Brave and the Bold, uh, me and Dust were setting up and we're getting ready for interviews. And I see this guy, he's just like, he's kind of sounds like larger than life. And I said, I told, looked over at Dust and I said, who's that? And he goes, that's the guy from Futurama. Uh, he does uh, Aquaman. And I was like, the, the reason why I asked was because when he was turning around the corner, he was like laughing. And while he was laughing, it, it, I said, man, this, I wonder if this guy can do like a Joker voice. And what was funny was that when they announced the, the Red Hood and he was doing the Joker voice, I was like, oh, crap, I kind of got a wish. Because <laughs> I wanted to see him laughing because I mean when he was coming down that hall to that interviewing part I don't know if you remember this but when he came in remember that whole caveman guy was getting into him and talking to him yeah I was just like wow this guy is larger than life and he can like kind of build out a laugh and I was like I just I just wanted to see if he could do the Joker voice and that's what I'm probably most looking forward to in this video I think uh, John DiMaggio is really talented, first of all, I think. I've, I've always enjoyed... He, he's, if you look at his CV, he's turned up in loads of stuff, and he's got a lot of versatility with his voice. And with that, I think that hearing from this interview, it sounds like... I mean, we know from the story of the Joker there's some pretty dark things in this, in this uh, in these series of events, and it sounds like they're going to include all of that in the film, saying how twisted the Joker is. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's nice to get a new approach on the Joker. Not Nothing against Mark Hamill or anything, but it's nice to hear someone different. And uh, let's see how it goes. But, you know, John DiMaggio was a good choice, I think. Agreed. And I think it's a, like you said, no offense to Mark Hamill or anything, but it's, a, it's getting in to be about that time where everything's starting to pass the reins off. And even though Kevin Conroy keeps doing Batman here and there, uh, Mark Hamill stated at the end of Batman Arkham Asylum, that was the last time, and now he stated this is the last time he's going to do this for Batman Arkham Asylum 2. And who knows, you know, never you ne never say never, you know, he could end up showing up for Batman Arkham Asylum 3 if they do make another one. But at some point, you've got to get an actor who's going to be able to be the voice of the Joker or the voice for the Batman for years to come instead of getting a different actor every single time. And then people bashing the actor repeatedly over and over again. I mean, it'd be good to get an actor that a lot of people like and a lot of people respect, and then that person keep doing the role. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That's kind of what I hate right now with the Batmans. I mean, Kevin Conroy is still willing to do it. Let him do it, but... Um, but yeah, I, I just it sucks that Mark Hamill wants to move. That was my initial thought when we we're going to Comic Con because I was like, man, you know, there's gonna be you know Mark Hamill's last hurrah. But then you know it's announced he's back for part two for Arkham, and I'm in the mindset that you know we got to try to go out there and try to find another Joker voice. Yeah, and to add on that, I think John DiMaggio is a very experienced voiceover actor. He, I mean, that's where he makes his money. That's his business, voiceover acting. Unlike Mark Hamill, who, as much as we love him, you know, he started in live action. I'm sure he would have loved to continue a career in live action films. John DiMaggio is very comfortable behind a microphone. That's where he really likes to act. And who knows, he could be the voice of the Joker for you know, a long time ahead. He's certainly talented enough. Let's just see if he can pull it off. Yeah, exactly. I yeah I got an eerie story. So next time we meet him, Dust. <laughs> <laughs> this time, pirates, you walk the plank right into prison. This will make quite a chapter in my new memoir. Twenty thousand victories under the sea. What do you think? I'll wait for the movie. All right. So moving on, on May twenty seventh, Warner Brothers sent over details for the DC showcase that will be featured in the upcoming Batman Under the Red Hood. Now, this obviously has nothing to do with Batman, but if you know you're going to watch it anyway, so we're going to be giving you the details on this as they come out from Warner Brothers. We'll be featuring Jonah Hex. It will be a bonus feature under the, or for the Special Edition Blu-ray and 2-Disc Special Edition DVD. The script is by Joe Lansdale and is starring the voices of Thomas Jane, Linda Hamilton, Michelle Trachtenberg, and Michael Roker. It will be rated PG-13, even though it will be a short and the story says the toughest nails bounty hunter Jonah Hex always gets his man until someone else gets to him first. In this case, a murderous maid, madam who wants to steal more than just her bounty from Jonah Hex. And you can see three images from the short on the website. Yeah, I'm looking. I like these these little shorts that they're they're adding on to their animation. So, and this is Jonah Hex. So I'm I'm already excited for that. The Spectre, I enjoyed. I, I knew nothing about the Spectre. Really enjoyed it. Jonah Hex, I certainly know a little bit more about. And I think it's a character I enjoy a lot more. And I'm glad to see him in animated form. It looks very high-quality animation as well. And, yeah, it looks good. I'm, I'm glad it's going to be attached to this film. Yeah, it's just interesting enough that this will actually be coming out after the live-action movie instead of vice versa. Did you guys enjoy the, the Spectre short? The Spectre short was pretty good. I mean, my only complaint was that it was only, you know, seven minutes long or nine minutes long or whatever it was. I just wish it could have been a little bit longer, but then I then that defeats the purpose of be, it being a short. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah very, very true, Dust, yeah. I assume this one will be about a similar length as well. Which kind of sucked, because I wanted the Spectre. It, it, as, as the way it was going, the way it was writing, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I, they could have done, gone 15 or 30 minutes, and I would have been happy. You're counting on the winged Avenger to deliver you from evil, aren't you, my friend? All right, so the last bit of movie news we have is also on May 27th. The World's Finest posted up the box art for all three versions of Batman Under the Red Hood, and this would include a list of the special features on the back of the box. And of that list, there is the title of the next DC Animated Universe film, and it will be entitled Superman Batman Apocalypse. And going off of, uh, obviously this isn't from World's Finest, this is just our thought process. Uh, With the success of Superman Batman Public Enemies, there's no doubt that there will be another film based off of the two most popular comic book heroes of all time. We can probably look forward to have following the same release schedule as last year, which means we'll see it sometime in stores sometime around September, possibly October, Um, and we'll also probably see this title promoted at San Diego Comic-Con, along with Batman Under the Red Hood, as Superman Batman was last year with Green Lantern. This is pretty cool, but I'm wondering what kind of story is going to be or what it's going to mention, because the apocalypse that's written isn't spelled the way like the dark side apocalypse would be spelled so mm, i'm wondering what kind of story this is going to be about yeah i think th- this follows the same pattern we've had with all dc animated films in that in the fact they give us a new film and give us a sort of preview or tease of the next one coming up you guys know a lot more about the the comics than i do that there isn't a, a story in the superman batman series called apocalypse then this seems to be something completely original uh well it could be something original it's there's not a direct storyline that has to do with apocalypse spelled the way it is. 
Now, there was many stories having to do with Apocalypse spelled differently, which has to do with Dark Side. And, and is that the that's the world he's from, isn't it? Apocalypse, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. So, do I want to? Do I really believe it's something completely original? Uh, probably not. There really hasn't been anything. Now that I think about it, there has never actually been anything completely original other than Batman Gotham Knight that wasn't based off of comics. Everything else had bits and pieces ripped from comics, but Superman Batman was just a, another story from the Superman Batman comic series. The one thing that I have to say is, you know, I reviewed Superman Batman, I probably it's probably on the the low totem pole, the lowest rung of the totem pole as you can possibly get. Uh, for DC animated films, because I just thought it was it was too short. It reminded me a lot of just the Superman Batman animated series, and it really didn't seem like it was meant to be a movie. It really reminded me of Superman Batman World's Finest, the three episodes in Superman the animated series, which they then turned into a movie. But I was talking with somebody that I work with the other day, and I told them the Superman Batman was the next one coming out, and they said. I'm not really looking forward to that one. And I said, yeah, well, you know, the only thing is you got to think about it like this. From a business perspective, even though we might not have liked the movie as much as the next person, Superman Batman sells. So every year, you know, they can put out two movies, one in the spring and one in the fall, or one, one in the spring and one in the summer, and do whatever they want. And if they do a movie like Superman Batman where they know they're going to pull in money no matter what, they're going to do it. Yeah. Shoot, gosh, I'm thinking right now, the Superman, Batman, Public Enemy one, I, I'd hardly even see him now. I see more of the Green Lantern de- than I do of that of those two right there. I think that um, they just, they're just going to go, as you say, Dustin, for something reliable that will sell. And it seems like the, you know, the, the showcase uh, short films at the moment, they're the ones, they're the, that's the platform for the Spectre and Jonah Hex and that sort of level of, of hero and I'm sure that there'll probably be another short with this Superman Batman apocalypse and but for me personally I, I was in the same vein as you were about uh, the previous Superman Batman film not great a little bit disappointing this but it's still two characters that I really enjoy and they have great chemistry together usually and it's just a case of this story where they're going to get it from will it be interesting enough but we'll have to wait and see my only hope is that they actually make it just longer. 70 Minutes is just screaming, hey, this was originally three episodes of a TV show, not a movie. Yeah. You can't just leave Harvey out there. Dent knew the risks. I'm going after Rachel. <laughs> Yo, Bruce Man, sorry I'm late, dude. What's going on? What's the sitch? Oh, God. Rachel and Harvey are being held by the Joker in two separate warehouses. Yeah, yeah, the Jokester got it. What's his deal again? Mind control? Super strength? Something like that? He dresses like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, what is it, like heat vision? Because I have that. It's awesome. That's all the movie news we have. We don't actually have any TV news as of right now, uh, but we do have a bunch of merchandise news. I don't know what you want, but I know I can get it for you. With a minimum of fuss. Money. Jewels. A very big ball of strength. Alright, so the very first thing we've got is on May 18th, MaddieCollector.com announced that... The Wave 15 of DC Universe Classic figures will have a Batman in the line and will actually be Batman as a Yellow Lantern. The figure will hit this fall at Kmart first and then later to toy retailers everywhere. You can take a look at a picture of the figure which actually has Batman with the yellow ring creating a Batarang construct from the ring which is pretty cool. Yeah, that one's very nice. Yeah! Alright, so also on May 18th, MattyCollector.com announced that Batman Beyond will finally be released as a single figure. A couple years back, Batman Beyond was released along with Warhawk and the older Bruce Wayne in a three-pack. It was one of more sought-after packs of that year. Mattel will actually re-release Batman Beyond later this year exclusively at Target as a single figure. Oh, as a single figure. Very nice. I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but that that figure doesn't really do much for me. It's not one that interests me, I'm afraid. I already have the figure from the three pack, so I have no, no inclination of getting it as a single. But it did take a long time to find that three pack. Yeah, I, I just want I just want the single for the collection.
Moving along, May 19th, Warner Brothers sent over a press release stating that they have teamed with HP to make printable merchandise for characters, including Batman. Without going through the entire press release that they sent over, they did say the product offerings will feature a number of the most beloved characters from the Warner Brothers portfolio, including DC Comics superheroes Batman, Superman, Supergirl, Looney Tunes, Hanna-Barbera favorites such as Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Tweety, Scooby-Doo, Flintstones, Jetsons, Yogi Bear, Baby Looney Tunes, as well as characters from the Harry Potter film series. Included in the collection of printable merchandise available to consumers are photo prints, posters, photo books, mouse pads, mugs, calendars, puzzles, greeting cards, skins for electronic devices, wall appliques, wallpaper, and apparel. Merchandise is expected to be available for purchase beginning May 13th, 2010, which means it's already available. And I find this really interesting because uh, about a year ago, when I bought a new laptop, my laptop happens to be an HP laptop, HP was running a promotion at the time where if you didn't like the way your computer looked, you could, when you bought the new computer, you could get this promo code to go onto HP's website to get a skin for your laptop. It would specifically fit your laptop because HP is creating these and you could pick from a number of different things. Well, of course, I tried to find one that had Batman on it and I was unsuccessful. Now, they actually do have them. So that's a huge plus. Oh, very nice. Yeah, it's it's about time. Didn't we have a podcast talking about this where they needed to go out there and get stuff done? I think we talked about mouse pads and stuff. And finally, man, maybe I can now have a, a new Batman mouse pad. Yeah, there's loads of little things that I could use just having a bat logo on it. So it's nice to see that some people are actually put, you know, trying to put that sort of stuff together. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so the next thing we've got, Warner Brothers sent over another announcement on May 26th saying that they are teaming with a company called Zazzle. Zazzle makes various merchandise, including apparel and posters. Basically, they will have on their online website, Zazzle.com, they will have a DC Comics store, which will include Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, Supergirl, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. This merchandise is actually available now, and some of the merchandise that they have includes t-shirts, posters, they actually have custom stamps that you can get made, and the Batman stuff is actually available right now on their website. And interestingly enough, it is some of the merchandise is actually, to me, interesting, but it goes back into, you know, a lot of different items as far as apparel, a lot of shirts. There, there's a whole lot of clothing merchandise that is available through this site yeah they got like that uh that urban ed hardy type style batman shirts going there and um they're pretty cool i mean that's that's what's in right now to have that kind of collage of pictures uh the way it is with the the drawings and the color but uh man you can't pass up the original styles but they have those too so um, yeah, uh, this it's, it's about time that, you know, DC started going out there and, you know, started venturing out with all these other companies. I can see it clearly now for the first time. So, also on May 26th, The Source, DC's blog website, revealed a new set of action figures based off of Andy Kubert's covers of Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne will be released next April. The first series will feature the first four versions of Bruce Wayne as Batman Through Time, as shown through issues 1-4, through four, and they'll include Batman Wild Wild West, Batman the Pirate, Batman the Puritan, and Batman the Caveman. So you can check those out. The pictures of all of those figures are up on the website. I'm going to probably get all four. I'm not sure about the Puritan. I like the Pirate and the Cowboy. <laughs> the Batman Cowboy actually looks pretty cool. I think these figures look great, but uh, I think the one that stands out to me is the Caveman. I think I'd have to get that one. That's top of my list, definitely. It's actually amusing because the Cowboy Batman reminds me a lot of the a graphic novel that came out years ago called uh, Batlash. Oh, yeah. And Batman Blue, the Gray, and the Bat. It was, supposed to be, it was, a, it was an Elseworlds story which took Batman and put him in the 1800s. It reminds me a lot of that, which is the uh, the Puritan figure looks a little bit dull. I think he's not quite as exciting as the other figures. I think the Puritan in yeah. general is a bit dull. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The pirate one that was that one's kind of cool, but he he just looks like a mass pirate. So <laughs> he's got a crazy beard. <laughs> Welcome, Paisan. <laughs> it's been a dog's age. All right, and the last bit of uh, merchandise news we have is. 
Warner Brothers sent over details on May 27th, announcing that they are extending their deal with WizKids NECA to continue to have new hero clicks be made. Without going over the entire press release, the big things coming up they're announcing is that the new 2010 DC Comics Hero Clicks lineup will draw from the most current and best-selling storylines, including Blackest Night Starter Game and Brightest Day Action Pack, both based on DC Comics Green Lantern comic book series. Additionally, the products will include the Watchmen Collector Set, featuring 25 highly detailed figures in a display-quality package, as well as Jonah Hex, based on Warner Brothers Pictures' upcoming film on June 18, 2010. Um, the DC Comics Hero Clicks line will also include a DC 75th Anniversary set, which spans DC Comics' rich history. As of right now, Batman the Brave and the Bold uh, is available now, um, but it's not based off of the TV show. And there was a comment that they had in this press release that was by Lax Chandra, the president of WizKids, and it said, We're excited to be able to continue our close partnership with DC Comics. Our most recent offering, Batman the Brave and the Bold, sold 30% higher than our previous release, and we are working even closer with DC Comics' editorial team so that we can deliver the hottest editorial content in 2010. Batman and the Brave and the Bold series is actually based off of Batman teaming with a superhero similar to what you see in the TV show, but more in line with what happened in the comics during the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I'm, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's the Brave and the Bold style, so, <laughs> you know, if you like it. Taking up video games, are we, sir? Alright, so moving into video game news, we don't really have any new video game news, but we can tell you that uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold video game and Batman Arkham Asylum 2 will in fact both be at E3 and in the next podcast we'll be talking about everything that happens at E3 as well as our feature will be discussing both of those games and what we know as of right now and hopefully we'll be both seeing those games at Comic-Con as well. Uh, there's also no general news, so we're going to get into our Spotlight character, which we do have a decent amount to cover because we're covering all three versions of Blockbuster. So Blockbuster 1, Mark and Roland Desmond, were devoted brothers who experimented horrific transformations into the mammoth entity known as Blockbuster. As a teenager, Mark Desmond was considered a scientific genius, achieving his high school and college diplomas years ahead of his peers. However, this left him socially awkward with people older than himself, so he preferred living a solitary life with his older brother on an island near Gotham City. Mark got himself mired in quicksand once, but fortunately Bruce Wayne was strolling the island and rescued the teen. Inspired by his timely rescue and hoping to improve his physique, Mark used his advanced knowledge to fabricate a serum that would provide him with muscles almost instantaneously. Anxious to transform his, himself, he never stopped to test the formula. As expected, his endocrine glands altered and he gained mass and muscle. Unexpectedly, the anterior lobe of Mark's pituitary gland also enlarged, which seemed to rob him of most of his mental faculties. The transformed Mark was prone to emotional rages calmed only by his brother's soothing words and presence. Roland was at first horrified by the transformation, but also saw how he could exploit his brother's strength for his own goals. He asked his brother to aid him in committing his crimes, figuring that Mark's strength and endurance would best both the police and Gotham's guardians, Batman and Robin. Sure enough, bullets bounced right off the toughened body. Mark even pummeled the dynamic duo into submission. Robin described Mark as a blockbuster, and the media quickly picked up on the name. At the scene of the next Desmond Brothers crime, Batman opted to follow the behemoth, figuring that someone was manipulating the seemingly simple-minded man. Once they reached the island, Batman recognized it from his travels months earlier, realizing the creature was Mark. Batman removed his cowl and showed Blockbuster his true identity. Somewhere in his altered brain there was recognition, and Blockbuster calmed down. To reinforce the connection, the unmasked Batman entered the same patch of quicksand and submerged himself until Blockbuster repeated Wayne's rescue using a branch. 
With blockbuster complacent, Batman and Robin captured Roland and brought him to justice back in Gotham City. But when Batman returned to the island, Mark was gone. This was in Detective Comics 345 in November 1965. Blockbuster reappeared later, this time under the Outsider's control. His addled mind retained Roland's reconditioning that Batman was an object of hatred, and the Outsider exploited that. When Batman tried to unmask himself once more, the Outsider's science thwarted his attempt. The Cape Crusader then hardened his glove with a calcium compound and reluctantly took down Blockbuster with an uppercut. And this was in Detective Comics number 349 from March 1966. Batman saw to it that Blockbuster was remanded to the Alfred Memorial Foundation for treatment and a possible antidote to the original serum that had caused his condition. Instead, a cosmic being known as the Antimatter Man removed Blockbuster from Earth and sent him to the parallel world known as Earth 2, where he traded places with Mr. Solomon Grundy. The catastrophe brought together the combined forces of the Justice League of America and the Justice Society of America, and the two beasts wound up knocking each other silly. That was in Justice League of America 46 and 47 in 1966. Once more, back on Earth-1, Blockbuster resumed treatment at the Alfred Memorial Foundation. Now renamed the Wayne Foundation, regained some of his cognitive abilities, starting with improved speech. Still, occasions arose that brought Blockbuster away from his confinement, and his hatred of Batman remained. Subduing him was often a challenge. Sadly, he also remained an easy subject to place under another's thrill. Queen Klee had him take on members of the JLA while the villainous wizard abducted him from the Wayne Foundation and used him as a soldier in his personal vendetta against the JSA. During this time, chemicals released by Jason Woodrow, the Floronic Man, intensified Blockbuster's hatred of Batman, undoing countless hours of reconditioning therapy. And this was in Justice League of America, 166 through 168 from 1979. Having exhausted their resources, the Wayne Foundation turned Blockbuster over to Star Labs. Staff there developed radiation therapy that they hoped would undo the serum's mutations. The experiment seemed to have killed Blockbuster, but it turned out only to be a death-like state. Something Batman learned one bitter winter's night. His speech limited once more due to the radiation therapy... Blockbuster couldn't explain that he was trying to help a woman who had overdosed on drugs. He seemingly drowned in the Gotham River as he saved her, Batman 308-309 in 1979. Blockbuster surfaced some time later, winding up in Bleak Rock, West Virginia. He was taken in and cared for by Willie Macon, a mute, and his family. Mark Desmond finally achieved a measure of peace and contentment, something he d- something denied him for a long time. Batman eventually caught a news item that alerted him to the fact that Blockbuster still lived. When he arrived in West Virginia to investigate, he and Blockbuster wound up working together to save miners from a cave-in. Afterward, however, while playing with an electronic toy, Blockbuster once more came under another's control, this time General Electric, who pitted him against the Amazon princess Wonder Woman. This was in Wonder Woman 294 from 1982. Blockbuster's more heroic habits continued after this interruption when he aided Earth superheroes during the events known as Crisis on Infinite Earths. Parallel worlds were merged into one Earth, and Blockbuster continued to live with the Macons. It took the lure of a possible cure for him to leave West Virginia and perform a mission for Amanda Waller's newly formed Suicide Squad. She needed his strength to confront the apocalyptian creation known as Brimstone, Brimstone crushed Mark Desmond in his fiery fist, leaving only a charred corpse. Mark Desmond died a hero's death and was finally at peace. This was in Legends number 3 in 1987. Alright, so that's Blockbuster 1. As far as any media appearances, he actually has appeared in Justice League Unlimited, and Mark Desmond also appeared on The Batman. Blockbuster overall was supposed to, or is is rumored to be featured in the Green Arrow film called Escape from Supermax, but we'll see if that ever actually happens. Now, let's get into Blockbuster number two. 
Roland Desmond and his brother Mark lived on their own in a home on an island near Gotham City. They were abandoned by their cruel, manipulative mother who had relocated to Bloodhaven. Left to his own devices, Roland wound up committing several petty crimes to ensure their support. He built up a thick rap sheet. He envied Mark for his superior intellect until an experiment of his went wrong, and Mark turned into the behemoth known as Blockbuster One. This was in Detective Comics 345 from 1965. In this transformation, Mark lost much of his mental acuity. Rollins trained his brother to regard Batman as the enemy and then sent him from their island home to nearby Gotham City, where Mark would commit robberies for Roland. Batman and Robin trailed Blockbuster back to the island, then calmed him down and apprehended Roland. While serving time in jail, Roland was a victim of an experiment at the hands of the aliens known as the Dominators, part of an alien invasion of Earth. The Dominators sought to test humankind's metahuman gene by activating it in random people. Roland was one such victim. As a result, he was sent to the prison hospital where he was given steroid treatments. The combination of the steroids and the now-active metahuman gene turned Roland into a hulking form that nearly matched the strength of his brother. There were two key differences between the two. However, Roland could transform from his normal shape to blockbuster size, and he retained his intellect. He freed himself from prison, and it took the combined efforts of Batman and Starman to defeat him at Arizona's Monument Valley. And this was in Starman, the first series, number 9, from 1989. Roland was arrested anew, but left prison to work with a version of the Suicide Squad before returning to jail once more. He was then offered a deal by the demon Neron in exchange for his soul. Neron would grant Roland an intellect that would rival that of his dead brother Mark in Underworld Unleashed number 1, 1995. Now possessed of a superior mind and body, Roland was ready to establish himself as a criminal leader. Seeking a beachhead, the new blockbuster tested himself against the youthful speedster Impulse and then set up operations in Washington, D.C. However, his efforts were stymied by the Capitol's protector, Steel, and he ultimately decided to relocate. This was in Steel number 33 from 1996. He returned close to his roots and moved to the bleak city of Bloodhaven, staying near his now ill and unhappy mother. Even in a town filled with corrupt politicians and policemen, not to mention members of the various mafia crime families, no one was prepared for Blockbuster's arrival. In short order, he ousted Angel Marin and placed criminals and law enforcement under his thick thumb. He controlled the mayor's office and police headquarters with police chief Redhorn and Inspector Dudley Soames doing most of his dirty work. His new operation had tendrils that reached to such faraway places as Star City and closer to home Gotham. Soon after, though, he found fresh opposition in the form of Nightwing, the original Robin who was seeking a fresh start away from the Dark Knight's shadows. This was seen in Nightwing, the second series, the first issue, 1996. Thus began a war between hero and villain that would stretch beyond the city's limits and harm friends and family of both participants. While Blockbuster sought to kill Nightwing, he was also bothered by his hidden bank accounts being discovered and emptied by a cyber entity known as Oracle. She had been watching Roland Desmond for quite some time and had decided that his wealth should fund her operations. This was an underworld unleashed patterns of fear, 1995. In time, Blockbuster hunted her down, capturing not the real Oracle, but Black Canary. This was some Birds of Prey number 21 from 2000. Complicating his campaign was a recurring chest pain that was finally diagnosed as a terminal heart condition brought on by his transformation. Blockbuster would need a heart transplant to live, but his unusual physique required a heart larger than a normal human's. He turned his attention to the sentient residents of Gorilla City, hidden away in Africa, and used a citizen named Grimm to help him find a subject. This was in Nightwing number 43 in 2000. More misery followed soon after with the death of his mother, which the distraught Blockbuster incorrectly blamed on Nightwing. The battle between them grew even more vicious when Blockbuster blew up the apartment building where Nightwing lived, killing many of his neighbors and leaving the rest homeless. Blockbuster put a price on Nightwing's head and employed a small army of costume mercenaries, Lady Vic, Stallion, Brutal, the Trigger Twins, and Shriek, to take him out once and for all. While eschewing 
assistance from his mentor, Nightwing did occasionally avail himself of help from Oracle, Black Canary and Robin during his battles with Blockbuster. Later, he encountered Catalina Flores, who dressed in the style of the hero Tarantula, and began working alongside her to take down Blockbuster's operation. Both sides grew more desperate to end the confrontation, and the attacks grew in brutality. Exhausted both physically and mentally, Nightwing and Blockbuster faced off one final time. Blockbuster taunted Nightwing, telling the hero that he would continue to pick away at his friends and family until they were all dead. The immoral tarantula saw a way to end the battle that Nightwing would never consider. She shot Blockbuster. Nightwing knew he could have prevented it, but let Tarantula do what he could never bring himself to do. His inaction brought about a breakdown that left him adrift for some time. Regardless, the citizens of Bloodhaven were finally freed from Blockbuster's tyranny. This was in Nightwing number 97 from 2004. Blockbuster 3. A uh, new Blockbuster emerged in the wake of Lex Luthor's creation of his own superpowered group, Infinity Inc to create the public perception that the new teen heroes were ready to defend Metropolis and the world. He unleashed the latest blockbuster against them. Much as he controlled the heroes, Luther seemed to exert control not only over blockbuster's actions, but over his, his levels of strength as well. In Lex Luthor's estimation, the new blockbuster was even stronger than either of his predecessors. And this was in 52, number 21, 2006. That is Blockbuster. So that was uh, a decent amount of information on one character. But uh, honestly, Blockbuster is one of those characters where if you are interested in Nightwing, if you start reading through some of his comics, you're going to read a lot about Blockbuster. So it would be good to know something about him. Yeah, and also Bloodhaven. I, I like that the that the, the Nightwing series was always in Bloodhaven, and I like that that city gets some recognition. Yeah, I think Blockbuster's a really good big villain for Nightwing to face in that series. And as I said, I'm working my way through it myself, and I'm really enjoying you know, the moments with Blockbuster. So that's everything for the Spotlight character. Now let's get into our feature. We're just going to talk a little bit about Batman Beyond um, in regards to the series years ago. We're also going to talk about the comic book series that's coming out in a couple of weeks from DC Comics, obviously, as well as um, what our kind of hopes are for Batman Beyond into the future. Um, So starting off with the series... This was one of those series where, after Batman, the animated series, that kind of drifted out of the DC animated universe, wasn't really following what was going on, really wasn't watching Superman because it really wasn't appealing to me, and Batman Beyond came on, and I probably didn't watch the first season at first because I thought it was kind of dumb, and probably by halfway through season two I started watching it, and I started to get interested in it, mostly because I was kind of... I think the thing I found the most interesting was to see where all of the characters that we know now, what happens to them into the future. That was the most interesting thing for me. I think when um, when this came out, um, of course, you know, watching all the animated cartoons that were coming out, when they announced Batman Beyond, I, I knew that they said that they were going to go into the future, and I heard that Terry McGinnis, this Terry McGinnis guy is going to be Batman. And I think I got kind of angry a little bit because I was like, no, I don't want to envision Batman going beyond Bruce. But, um, I mean, being a Batman fan, we always have to check out whatever they say is Batman. So when it, when it came out, I, I checked it out, and I was still kind of angry. I couldn't get rid of the angry part because uh, I was like, man, I don't want to see Bruce Wayne old. I don't want him to see him past Batman. But um, that, nevertheless, this is where the story took us. And uh, I kind of liked Terry uh, as the, ser- the series went on. I watched every episode. The Joker one, The Return of the Joker, was awesome. That was an awesome movie. But at, at the same time, I, I still didn't know how I... Even to this day, I still don't know how I feel about Batman Beyond. I won't badmouth it, but I just think it's very difficult for me to accept Terry McGinnis as Batman in this series. But kind of looking very forward to what's coming up in the, as far as the comic book. My thoughts on the series were that 
I feel that it was always flawed from day one because it was always living in the shadow of the animated series. And as much as you had these new characters like Terry McGuinness that were you know, fairly good, um, you always wanted to see Bruce. And when they did references to the animated series, so occasionally you might get a glimpse of the Joker or whoever, or Bruce would mention Dick Grayson or something, that was, that was the reason I watched it, because I wanted to see Bruce and his life as an old man. And I think as in the first series, they did, get, did that quite often. And then as it went on, I think they probably tried to distance themselves from the animated series. Um, but that was when it started getting a bit weak. But overall, I have to say, I mean, I think it was a generally good series. It was just it struggled because it was in the shadow of the animated series. But I think the characters were fairly good. The stories were always quite interesting, especially the first series. And the movie is, is really good. You know, a lot of people think that's an excellent film. So, you know, it created a fairly good new universe, which was quite interesting to watch. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I did forget to mention the, the movie. The movie was probably one of the best things that came out of it because it almost tied in things from the animated series to the Batman Beyond series to make it work. It kind of, like, filled the gap in. Um, it, made it, it made you know what happened to Dick and Tim and Barbara and where they all went with their lives, um, and why they were, and why Bruce was all by himself all over again. And I found that really interesting. It also was obviously interesting having the nods to the characters that we knew and grew up with, as far as with Harley Quinn and Joker, because you didn't really see those. Joker had an influence in Gotham City into the in the future, but it wasn't him. It was just his legacy was lived on by having gangs of people called the Jokers with a Z. But, uh, I mean, overall, it was a good series. So moving into this comic series that's coming out, we really don't know a whole lot about what's going to be going on in this series. When Batman Beyond, the television show, was on the air, we did have a comic book that followed along with it. There was first a six-issue miniseries that came out, and then followed by an ongoing series that actually only lasted, I believe, 24 issues. So not very long. But one of the main things that people have... It's, it's kind of interesting. There's two types of people. There's the people who really enjoyed Batman Beyond and think of it as a great addition to the Batman universe. But they also think of what is to happen to the future of Batman as... What happens in Batman Beyond? Bruce is by himself and Terry McGinnis becomes Batman. Then you've got the other people who are more strictly the comic book uh, followers. And they were not buying the Batman Beyond comic book even if they liked the TV show because it gave a certainty of what was going to happen in the future. And because of that, they didn't really appreciate the fact that they knew exactly how it was all going to come to an end. But a lot of people don't realize that the anime universe was completely separate from the comic book universe um, during that time. The, the, the comic book was actually being written um, by the same people who wrote many of the other animated uh, series comics, just as we have an animated series comic book right now, Batman Brave and the Bold, going along with the TV show. They don't. They just tell different stories. That's all they do. <laughs> so the question is, this comic series that's coming out, the the problem is that it seems like it's going to be somehow bridging a gap between the animated universe and the comic universe. Batman Beyond ended on a kind of not so, you know, this is the end note, and we know that because the explanation of Batman Beyond and a bunch of things happened in Justice League. Unlimited years later with an episode called Epilogue, which featured the story of how Terry McGinnis actually came to be Batman and how it was this giant plan by the government. So that being said, what do you think what do you think about this comic series possibly bridging the gap that has two dominant sides of you know, two different two different ways of taking this and they have supporters on both sides? That's one thing I did forget about the, the Justice League episode. That's where they mixed uh, Bruce Wayne's blood in with the, with the fetus, right, with the mom that was pregnant. 
And that was how Terry McGinnis was born. So it, I remember that now, and I'm thinking, you know what? I was kind of happy with that. But is the comic book series going to continue kind of like – and you're, 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 you hit it right on the money, Dust, where you talked about the comic book readers wouldn't really accept Batman Beyond because it was never really in comic book form. But now that it's coming out, it's, it's kind of raising questions. Okay, is this where we're going to move on? Now, in this comic book series that's coming out, is it going to talk about Damien? Is it going to talk about if Dick Grayson ever wore the Batman outfit? Um, I mean, well, right now we know he wore it, but did he continue wearing it even after? But as we saw in the cartoon, Bruce Wayne was still Batman until he fell and, you know, kind of realized his age. But that's where Terry had stepped in. Because, I mean, the suit can only do so much. So, I mean, there's still a lot of questions that they got to answer to tie it in. But didn't we read one time where Dan Dio said that they were not going to count this in, in continuity, but it was straight coming, going off of what the animation was? Yes, but the thing is, the fact that now we are at least four or five years since the last reference of uh, Batman Beyond in either animated form or comic book form has passed, I don't understand how they could bring this out now, tie it into the normal comics. It's not like it's being put out the same way it was before, where it was strictly, hey, this is a comic that we're putting out because we have an animated TV show that goes along with it. It's not like that at all. It's, hey, we're doing this comic book series. It's written by a person who has written normal incontinuity stories. And the other problem is that Dan DiDio himself has said that comment about how this won't be in continuity, but he has also said that there's a Batman Beyond and Terry McGinnis exists on a different Earth. And we know there's mm-hmm. 52 Earths in the D- DC Universe, and because of that, anything is possible, and they can just explain it with, oh, this is on Earth, whatever. I can kind of buy that because there are so many Earths. But that, that's what I had told you even before the show began. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the series because this was never there before the cartoon. So it's something that comic book fans kind of needed in order for us to sell us on the series, I guess. It, it's just tough because it's, it's a fine line that we're going to walk here. Because if they, if they say it exists on a different Earth, comic fans, as you know, will count this into continuity already. It, it's already coming, we're going to count it in, and now it's going to be to the point where, is it going to be the the explanation of this is what happens to Bruce Wayne? I mean, I think it's quite interesting because to me, I'm, I'm not one of the uh, people that worry too much about continuity. To me, I enjoy, I quite like Terry McGuinness as a character. I'm looking forward to seeing a few more stories with him involved. And I don't think, to me, it's going to bother me about continuity. I don't mind. I don't mind if they don't reference that sort of stuff, and it's not really an issue for me. I mean, the big thing is, I like the continuity. Uh, do I think that this series is going to somehow tie what's going on in the comics into continuity? No. I think it's going to leave a lot of open-ended questions that people are still going to be complaining five years from now. Oh, well, how does Terry McGinnis become Batman if Damien is supposed to become Batman? The thing is, what somebody the real the real thing that somebody really should do is one of these comic book uh, news websites that uh, you know does interviews with these other uh, you know these creators all the time should ask somebody like Grant Morrison who put Damien into the comics, who's changed the entire layout of the Batman universe over the past few years. They should ask him, hey. Where does Terry McGinnis fit into your world and see what he says? And see if he says, well, Terry McGinnis is not in my world. Uh, That's not going to happen. And then we know it doesn't make a difference. Uh, This is two separate stories for now until years later and someone comes along and tries to fix it. I'm also wondering how well this series will do. Because as you mentioned, Dustin, it's five years at least since there's been any Batman Beyond material. So I wonder why they've brought it back. I mean, clearly they think there's some fans out there that still enjoy Batman Beyond. I mean, from what we've said so far, it sounds like we all might be interested in reading this story. Do you guys think it's going to do well? Do you think it's going to come and, come and go and that'll be it? I think the reason why they're doing it is because so many people, they go to so many conventions and everybody and every once in a while they'll get a question, at least at one of the panels, about Terry McGinnis. 
And someone will go up there and say, well, I don't understand how Damien's going to be Batman, but Terry McGinnis is supposed to be Batman. And I honestly, I think they're getting tired of hearing that. So I think they're... I mean, it was over a year ago that they said there was going to be a Batman Beyond series, and there was just kept being rumors and rumors and rumors, and then I think it was finally last September when they finally acknowledged that something was going to happen, and then... They didn't actually solicit this book until, you know, early this year, but do I think it's going to do very well? I think it's going to sell, but I don't think it's going to sell, you know, it's not going to be in the top ten comics for the month. I'm sure it's going to be in the middle range where most of the other bad books that aren't Batman Robin are going to be. I think it'll do better than Batman Confidential. (laughs) (laughs) That's not too hard at the moment. And see, here's the thing. If you would have told me that a Batman Beyond animation comic book was coming out, I would have never bought it. I, I, I didn't care about it. I'm, it's not going to get my money. But when they brought this out, and they're, and they're taking it away from the a- animation form and kind of throwing it right smack in the, the, the comic book form and the comic book kind of like storyline structure, then now you got me interested. Not, I'm not saying that I'm going to like it. But now you got me interested because this is kind of what comic book fans have been wanting or wanting to read, I should say. Not going to willing to accept it because there are going to be fans that are going to accept it and not accept it. But, yes, that's they, they know how to pull some money out of our pockets, and this is one way to go ahead and get out of pockets. And what Dustin has said about, you know, when they go to the conventions and they answer this, when we go to the conventions – we always hear someone bring up Terry McGinnis and like, that's kind of a shock to me. I'm like, seriously. And I'm like thinking like it's, it, the show hasn't been on for, you know, a couple of years now, but people still, I I guess there's always going to be fans. I mean, there's always going to be fans out there for it. So, I mean, you know, credit to the fans that always ask because they're the ones that are getting this comic book out. So I'm going to read it. I want to check it out and see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, it's um, it's a case of I I don't read every Batman comic that comes out. I pick and choose the ones that I think are worth reading. So I read, you know, maybe four or five a month or so like that. Uh, but this Batman Beyond is one that I'm tempted to possibly, you know, I'll, I'll probably pick up the first issue, see how it goes from there. But um, yeah, as someone who doesn't read everything like you guys, but this is one that does intrigue me a little bit. See, it's interesting because it almost seems as if there's been waves of fans, and the waves of fans are so always somehow... There are certain people who are fans of the TV shows and don't know very much about the comics, and they could be the people who are saying something about Terry McGinnis at a Batman panel, the DC Comics Batman panel. Who knows? But the thing is... There's still fans for these shows, despite the fact that they were canceled. There's still fans for Justice League Unlimited. I mean, I'm one of those people who still are buying those Justice League Unlimited figures, even though the show's been off the air since 2006. I'm still buying them. They're an awesome collection, and it's based off a TV show that hasn't been on TV for, besides reruns, it hasn't been on TV for four years. I yeah exactly. There's there's certain characters from that Justice League that I want that I care about, and they're out there. And I mean, I I, I guess in that aspect, if if we were at a, another convention and we got up and we talked and they were talking about the Justice League, and we're we're up there saying, well, you know, how come you know the Justice League doesn't come back to TV? Then you would I would be one of those fans that we would categorize as the Batman Beyond fans. You know, and then I would be guilty of that, and I, that in that aspect I can respect it because I mean it's it's because of them we're getting this comic book right now. Yeah, it's very true. the The only the only catch is I, I don't think I would necessarily want to see a Justice League Unlimited comic book. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a great TV show, and they told some great stories that were well above, uh, you know, the child's level. All right, so with all of that, that's pretty much going to wrap up our feature. You know, share some comments on the website over on the forums under the thread for this episode about what you think about Batman Beyond and, you know, whether or not you're one of those comic book fans who really is kind of PO'd that Terry McGinnis has even a part of the DC Universe 
or let us know if you're one of those animation fans who, you know, is really happy that Terry McGinnis is making it to the DC Universe in comic book form. So let us know. So, a couple of other things that we just want to throw out there. The first thing that we want to throw out is that, as we've been mentioning in the last couple episodes, we are looking to have a quiz show. We're hoping to have it sometime early July, so now is the time to get your name in if you want to participate in the quiz show. Um, you can email us at podcast.thebatmanuniverse.net and let us know if you're interested. Uh, we have a prize package that will be awarded to the winner of that, and all you need to do is either have Skype or a telephone and have some free time when we decide to record. Besides that, we are also planning on trying to set up some kind of bat meet at San Diego Comic-Con. If you are going to be at San Diego any of the five days the convention is taking place and would like to meet up with Apple, myself, Josh, and other fans that are on the website, send us an email and let us know that you would be interested in doing something like that. And then depending on how many people we get involved in that, we'll try to get something lined up and set up and get it out to everybody as soon as uh, we, we uh, before the convention actually kicks off. With those two things, uh, you can also, as I said, go onto the forums and become a member. If you're having a problem becoming a member, and it might just be because your name looks like spam, send me an email and let me know that that is a legitimate name and I will make sure that it gets approved. Um, you can follow all of the news daily on the website. Um, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As we get closer to the release of Batman Under the Red Hood, I'm sure there will be some videos that Warner Brothers will be sending over, clips from the movies, so you can check those out over on YouTube. So you can also check out the comic podcast for those of you who might have been interested in Batman Beyond. We'll be reviewing those books as they come out later in June. Um, and you can check out the comic podcast as well. Very shortly, we will be having uh, some new specials to be coming out, and you can check those out as well. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Apple. This is Nick. You've been listening to the Batman Universe podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Au revoir. Real quick, you want to know what I was watching earlier? What were you watching? I was flipping through the HBO stations and seeing what was on, and Batman 66 was on. Nice. Ooh. And it was it just so happened it was the scene where uh, the Joker goes pip-pip to the guy there on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife Always was think of Josh. And my, my wife was sitting there, and I said to her, I go... You know, you know what's funny? I go. I said to her, I go, have you ever heard anybody say pip-pip? She goes, no. I go, well, you know, I'm going to tell you a funny story. So we were ending a podcast one time, and someone decides to shout out pip-pip at the end. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> what? Oh, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a great, uh, great um, call-off sign for a podcast. Pip-pip. You know, whenever I see that film on TV, whenever I flick it on, like, on my TV, it's always the scene where Adam West is, is wrestling with the shark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I actually, when uh, Friday's episode, it was on, and uh, I had that, uh, my buddy Joe over here, and we are recording, so I think there was one part of the the podcast where we I had to edit it out, but we started laughing together. And then the uh, hump and Lee asked us what we were laughing at, and I said, and me and Joe looked over there and we're like, "Dude, exploding shark spray! You need that." <laughs> <laughs> so while we were recording that show, man, we were <laughs> we were just watching Batman sixty six on my TV. <laughs> nice. Uh, great film. Three. Okay. So we're nearly there.
Have I just got Megatron? You have. Wow, it's the first time for a long time. Yo, didn't you move? I did move, oh, yeah, I'm in London now. Autobots, <laughs> roll out. Um, so that's pretty much everything. This is, even... You gotta say Facebook and podcasts. Oh, I already did Facebook, but I, I guess mean, Nick doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, not a big uh, Hero Clicks uh, collector or player. Neither am I. The uh, Apple, you got? Did you find anything for video game news other than that Mark Hamill thing? No, I just only I just saw the Mark Hamill thing, and I know that they're gonna show the the Batman Brave and the Bold video game. And that's it. So we we got what the next time we do a show, we'll probably have the stuff that broke from E3. Yeah, and that'll be a good focus for our future. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll be able to work on that. So. Oh. Hold on, guys. Sounds Rolling. like some. Sounds like a different character we might have heard of. Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 